I'm Joe Morgenstern, the film critic of The Wall Street Journal. James Mangold's remake of 310 to Yuma is a showcase for fine actors. Russell Crowe is the outlaw Ben Wade, a bad guy with a tinge or a twinge of good. Christian Bale is the rancher Dan Evans, a forlorn guy who finds his inner hero. Peter Fonda is a bounty hunter and the glint-eyed, scene-thieving Ben Foster as Wade's henchman. Still, the showcase is out of scale. What began half a century ago as a small, taut Western has become an extended, self-serious, and in the end ludicrously distended spectacle that seems to bring the Yuma train to the station 20 minutes late. The plot involves a conflict of interests that turns into a clash of values. After the infamous Wade is captured by Lawman, Evans volunteers for a few hundred dollars to deliver the outlaw to a train that'll take him to trial. Wade's interest is in escaping, of course, or buying his escape. Evans is interested only in the reward, so the question is whether the rancher can be bought. But it's not the only question in a film originally based on a story by Elmore Leonard that explores intricate issues of morality and integrity. You can debate the ambiguities of the ending, but the crazed action climax just before it leaves logic in the dust. Instead of taking on seven gunmen, as in the original, the movie's newly minted man of honor must now shoot his way through what amounts to a whole town. Clearly, there's no going back to a time when a small, taut feature was enough to bring an audience to a theater. Still, it's worth thinking about what made the original memorable. The performances, certainly Glenn Ford and Van Heflin, were superb, and the classic theme of a single man of probity carrying the day, but also the proportionality, an intimate story told in 92 minutes. The story is no bigger in the new version, which goes on for 117 minutes, and it's certainly not better. Thanks to who they are and what they're talking about, the ten talking heads of In the Shadow of the Moon are more dramatic than the heroes of most dramas. Nine of them are Apollo astronauts who've walked on the moon. One, Michael Collins, served as Apollo 11's command module pilot so that Neil Armstrong, who doesn't appear in the film, and Buzz Aldrin, who does, could become the first two of Earth's 12 human beings who've earned that distinction. Apollo 11 was a singular event in the life of the nation, a moment when soaring American ambition was matched by stunning achievement. This magnificent documentary rises to the occasion by interspersing its interviews with NASA footage that evokes the grandeur of the whole Apollo adventure. In the run-up to that adventure, there was whimsical talk of sending up a poet to tell us what the moon was really like. No consecrated poet ever made the cut, but the men in this film are no slouches when it comes to language. Michael Collins, speaking of Apollo 11's destination, says, I did not sense any great invitation on the part of the moon for us to come into its domain. I sensed a hostile place, even a scary place. And Edgar Mitchell speaks of his ecstasy at the realization that the molecules of his body, his crew, and their spacecraft were all created in some ancient star. Words that make you think, images that make you gasp. I'm Joe Morgenstern, the film critic of The Wall Street Journal, back on KCRW next week with more reviews.